0: Welcome to part two of Fem Conversations. I'm your host, Belo Mugetzi, and in part two, we continue our conversations aimed to empower, educate and shift perspectives around issues faced by females, not only for females, but also for society at large. With my esteemed guests, Dumelo Ratloho, who formed part of the Black Woman Caucus during her time at WITS, as well as Oyama Buta who was at the front line of radical higher education education movements such as "Rose must fall and fees must fall. In 2019, gender-based violence was declared a national crisis by our President Cyril Ramaphosa. However, the injustices faced by women and children at the hands of men in our country grows in alarming rates on a daily basis. Our president focused on four key interventions – broadening access to justice for survivors, changing social norms and behaviours, strengthening existing architect and promoting accountability, and creating more economic opportunities for women. I asked the ladies if they thought these were sustainable solutions and why.
1: With regards to gender-based violence, the government mentioned important points, um, changing social norms, which is the second one, right? But the first thing that I hear with regards to GBV, before I get to my second point, is justice, the need for justice. Um, In our country, South Africa, corruption is rife and people get away with it, you know? I'm not just talking about ordinary South Africans. I'm talking about our politicians and people in the justice system themselves, you know, in itself. How do I say it? bad apples? And they're just infecting all the other apples? And you know the lack of consequences for certain actions is increasing the scourge of gender-based violence in South Africa. Um, with regards to social norms, my second point, um, I think gender roles is, it's important that as a country, we not only talk about it, but we move away from this thing should be done by men and men only. That should be done by women only. We should start saying humans can do this, humans can do that. That will help us as a country. The president can talk about it, but as a country, we need to do the work, and it starts at home.
2: For me, Thank I you. wouldn't even take that. I wouldn't even take it there. Quite honestly, for me, it's it's going down to the people. It's going down to the ground. You know what? When you when says every point thing, all I was thinking was just how politically correct with what every point was Mm. and it's very different um in real life like policies and uh and written agendas on things and strategies that need to be done are always very wishy-washy and very pretty and uh, whimsical being written down but when you go down to the ground and you see the experiences that People are experiencing women on a daily basis. Is beyond that. It's it's scary to even talk about it. The fact that that even sounds beautiful. The strategies sound beautiful. That for me is already a trigger. Like how are you solving something that is as bad and it's ex- and, and as disgusting as gender-based violence with words that sound very pretty? Yeah. That for me makes no sense. As a result, like I literally got, went blank because so I'm like what? Um, Okay. This thing has been ongoing. How is it that you come back and you say, let's revise on your plan and all you have are just pretty words. There are men... Who will beat up a woman and blame it on the woman right after that? And then when the woman goes op- opens up the case, they will go and open it up as well against them. Like how is then justice coming into place into effect that when they say we're gonna empower something about the justice and women being empowered in terms of justice when things like that are continuing to happen? It most definitely is, and I agree with you in that regard. It's it's words put together that sound
3: all good and well, but How is it that the very first um, intervention that he's coming up with, or not him particularly, but our government, is that they want to broaden access um, to justice for survivors. My thing is we need to get to a point where we don't have survivors. We don't need to have survivors because the problem has
1: been eradicated. I honestly think that, you know, with regards to economic opportunities, when he put that down on the agenda, um, that's not the problem. Mm. Specifically, as well as, that's, that's definitely not the problem. Our problem is not the fact that women lack economic opportunities. I won't say that we couldn't do with more. No, we need more. And, you know, we thrive on them. Women take advantage of them. If you can look properly as, at in our history and consider how many families have been raised specifically by women, Um, The numbers are very high. However, providing just more economic opportunities will not help. So we need to address a lot of psychological issues as a country, Mm -hmm. as well as, uh, I'm not sure, heal from the past, Mm -hmm. from trauma. Talk about things. Um, Mm, Definitely. And also, I think we need to lean less on the government.
3: I I agree with you and I don't agree with you at the same time. Um, (laughs) I completely understand why you're saying that because it actually boils down to an individual, but how an individual, um, you know, inflicts his power or her power on another individual and what kind of punishment can come from that is controlled by our government. So if I know that if I rape a woman, A is going to happen or B or C is going to happen, chances mm-hmm. are I'm just going to be like, oh, let me just not do it at all. Do you understand? So I think yes and no to your question um, because it does boil down to an individual person. And the government is not responsible for an individual person, but they are responsible to the repercussions that that come from an individual sort of oppressing or stumbling mm-hmm. upon someone else's right as, as a human being.
0: Mm-hmm. There's no denying that institutionalized prejudice exists in institutions of learning. As a member of the Black Woman Caucus, Tumela explains the kind of transformations that have taken place at VISTs as a result of the Black Woman Caucus.
1: Women from Black Women Caucus are amazing. And you know, that was one of the transformations for me you know, it came at a time where I realized that, you know, as a country, we're going through so much social ills, that the direction in which we're going is not okay, it's scary, it's, it's not looking, pretty is not even the right word, but I'm going to use it for lack of a better word, it's not looking pretty for the young girl, Um I knew a couple of girls, you know, who have told me stories that, you know, I couldn't even share and I couldn't even help because you'd find that the the dad of that girl is a policeman and he's the one who's the perpetrator and mm. I was confused. And when I did go and find Black Women Quakers, um, it was, you know, like finding light. Yeah. <laughs> and, but um, the thing about it is that it wasn't just beauty you know the thing about phenomenal things is that um it doesn't come easy it came with things that hurt me too bad you know some realizations um hurt they broke my heart you know made me see that you know the world we live in is just it's it's not okay mm, that pushed me away but at the same time pulled me back and pulled me closer to my purpose so this journey helped me you know find my voice in a way. And remember that regardless of all that is going wrong, we can still push for change. Oyama, you've
3: also been to quite a prestigious institution. Were you ever involved in any marches for gender-based violence or any marches for Fees Must Fall? And how how was that um, kind of culture like for you as a Black woman?
2: Okay, so when any sort of like very... In-your-face type of protest that happened at ECT was "roads must fall," and at that time I was in the SRC, so I was definitely in front in the front line. And in terms of just my experience as a woman in in that political type of space, I remember we had uh, meetings around what role do women have in uh, the movement and how they could be included in terms of the things that were being put in the agenda, who was going to leave, et cetera, et cetera. So my experience is definitely from a very SRC point of view mm-hmm. and not so much on what were the women really experiencing. I could only imagine considering the fact that the talk was even on the table for them to be, put in front of the line and be considered to be placed in front of the line, it definitely meant that um, their voices were not being heard as much as they should have because, I mean, there were a lot of things that were happening in the movement and people wanting to take control of the whole situation and the light that was coming after that. And it being a a case of who is um, the movement going to have next to whose name type of situation so it it was definitely a very nitty gritty things like that and the struggle of whether women are included or in what sense or they being included has always been a topic but beyond that I, i i've just been grateful to just experience um protests that have been successful in inverted commas in the sense that um there was unity in as much as there was still um, very blurred lines in terms of leadership and women being in charge, et cetera, et cetera. Like I said earlier on, the way things are set up and the way that the justice system is just failing women, for me, being in, in that protest, protest line will just be more of a trigger instead of something that can really, really, truly empower me. Yeah. And I think it's so it's so important that
3: you say that it's a trigger for you. And, you know, last year when um unfortunately lost mm-hmm. her life, uh, may her soul in peace, yeah. it was a very, very difficult time for a lot of women to just even be online because mm-hmm. other stories were coming out about other women who were brutally killed, brutally raped, and it's very triggering. So, I want you to know that it doesn't make you a bad person, that you wouldn't be part of that much because you have your own experiences and nobody else kind of knows them or experiences them like you. So I actually salute you for actually taking that decisive decision that I'm not going to do it because um, yeah. it, it's just triggering. You know, other women would will, will be like, I'm going to do it because I, it's happened to me. So I want to be a voice. And others just choose to deal with it differently and in whatever way we choose to deal with these things with or how we choose to deal with them is very subjective as well. So I definitely do salute you for that.
0: Thank you for joining yet another riveting installment of Femme Conversations. The final part, part three, will be more about looking inward and what it means to be a woman to us as women. So make sure that you do not miss part three of episode one. I'll catch you then.